The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. That was an awesome skit. I love that skit. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, I'm going to say a couple funny things while we're doing this awkward transition here. Um, two things. So while all of you guys are um, skipping out on the, all the responsibilities of home life, I, on the other hand, not... Because I'm still here, and my home is still here. Um, so two things I thought were, would be funny to share. One is um, that when I took my shower today, I was going to use the towel that Brody, my husband, used this morning after he took a shower when he cleaned himself. And I went to get this towel, and this is what it looks like. This is a grown man taking a shower and then drying off, and this is what was on the towel. <laughs> so there's that. So, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> and the other thing was um, Moses, our nine-year-old, and um, his cousin Jackson were fishing in our pond, and about 3 o'clock Jackson comes into my kitchen with a Rapala fishing lure, hanging from his chin. It looked like a piercing. And um, so that was a ER visit. So that's been my day. Um, but I'm glad I'm here finally, and we get to talk for a little bit. Um, so my name's Little, and I don't know how many of you have n- know about camp and stuff, but my husband and I have been here since the very beginning when there was just, like, nothing on the property but cow- uh, but cows. Um, and so it's been like 20 years or something. Um, will you turn the lights on so I can see them? I can't see y'all very good. I feel like I'm talking to a black abyss. Yay, there you are. Ah, that's better. Um, but, um, so we've been here forever. Um, I, we have five kids and we have a foster boy right now also. So we've got a full house. Um, and I'm trying to get where I can see all of you guys all the way in the corner. Um, and, um, so let me pray and then I'll get right into it because I've got a lot of pages of stuff. Um, dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for the beautiful weather that you gave, um, to these ladies to just have a chance to, um, sit and see your beauty and your creation, God. Um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the beautiful things about you that have already been said, this weekend, Lord, I pray that we would um, hide all that stuff in our hearts, Lord. I pray we would memorize and ponder on all of it. And I pray that it would um, just be lived out in our lives, Lord. I pray if there's someone here, Lord, that doesn't know you and your rescue and your saving grace, Lord, I pray that they would find that um, while they're here, Lord, or just that they would find it, Lord. And um, we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. And Jesus, let me pray. Amen. All right, Um, so what I want to kind of talk about first is context, Um, and you guys, you guys are all smart, so you know what context is, um, but I actually have a definition for those of you like me who need definitions. Um, It's the backdrop or surroundings of your circumstance that form the settings for your response. That sounds crazy, Um, so you can understand fully what's going on. So it's not your circumstance, but it's kind of the backdrop 
and like the visual of what's going on behind your circumstance. Um, so your context, whether it's a golly context where God's in the center of it, um, then your circumstances are going to be hopeful. Um, but if you have a context that is void of Christ and his love and his direction and his understanding, um, then your circumstances are going to be um, hard to deal with a lot of times if they're, if they're not going well. Um, and I have a story. So one thing, so like, if you ever, do you have a friend who is like that friend who you and your friends will be talking and having a conversation about a movie or something, and they always seem to come in like after you've kind of been talking, and they just say something awkward because they kind of know what you're talking about, but they really don't. You know what I'm talking about, anybody? So they're, usually they're stepping into the, con- they don't know what the context of the story is. And so they're kind of just awkwardly socially saying some random things to try to be a part of the conversation. Um, so I have a um, story that I want to read to you guys real quick um, concerning context. Um, and you may not know the story, but it really did happen. Um, all of it happened. Um, just after sundown on October 30th, 1938, Aliens invaded America. Okay. Um, the first wave landed in an unsuspecting farming town called Grover's Mill, not far from Princeton University in New Jersey. Professor Richard Pearson was standing watch at Princeton's observatory. Observatory, yeah. He had scoped eruptions of blue flames on Mars's surface just an hour before, assumed it was a rare meteor shower, and rushed to the scene to investigate. But upon arrival, Instead of space rock, he found a large metal cylinder in the open field, still seeming, steaming from entry and broadcasting odd, scraping noises from inside its shell. As the reporters, first responders, and onlookers examined the crash site, the cylinder began to open, and a terrifying monstrosity of alien violence unfolded. On-site reporter Carl Phillips broadcast his chilling report live across CBS's airwaves, and I won't get into the gruesome details. At this point, Philip's voice abruptly cut out, followed by the eerie hiss of radio static. Five long seconds later, the report resumed and announced America's worst fear. Aliens had landed on the eastern seaboard. The National Guard had been called in. Bells rang to warn people to evacuate Manhattan. It was pandemonium in the streets. Urbanites fled in terror. People took refuge in churches. Pregnant women went into labor early. People committed suicide. Looting broke out in the streets. It began being America. Men got out their guns and made ready to make a final stand. Life as we know it was over. The entire story was, of course, a lie. Okay? Um, I know, I know. It's shocking. Um, there was no alien invasion, but everything else really did happen. Here's the back story. So enters Orson Welles. He's a 23-year-old actor and director of the Mercury, Mercury Theater, Theater on the Air, a new radio program on CBS. Radio was still a new art form. Wells still had no commercial sponsor, and his time slot was up against the most popular show of the day, The Chase and Sanborn Hour. Wells knew he had to do something drastic or Mercury Theater would fail, so he bought the rights to a novel called The War of, of the Worlds. Here's the most plausible theory for how it all went sideways. Most Americans weren't listening to Wells' show when it started. They were listening to the more popular Chase and Sanborn Hour. Um, which ended at 8.15. So all the people that were listening to the radios at 8.15 when that show was over, they turned it at 8.16, um, they turned the dial and were shocked to hear the story. The realistic sounding news alerts of mayhem up and down the eastern seaboard, including an emergency broadcast from an actor whose voice mimicked President Franklin D. Roosevelt's with near perfect accuracy. As you would imagine, people freaked out. Um, it was crazy, like it, it 
Adolf Hitler even like commented about what this that happened. It was like this huge ordeal. Um, okay, so that is the wrong context, right? So those people who turned that radio on at 816 and stepped into that contact context, it was wrong, right? Um, but but the way they responded to it was huge. I mean, they were they were like running around mayhem. People were hiding in churches, just crazy stuff because the context was a lie. Um, and that sounds silly, but in a in our Christian life, um, whether our circumstances good or bad, um, our context can make us respond in ways like that. Um, our co- if we have a context that's full of lies, and I'll kind of get into what those look like, um, we can have that same kind of panic and fear in, as we walk through our days as women. Um, and um, so what, why I'm telling you the story is I'm going to raise like a thousand red flags for you guys to stop and think and consider what your context is like. Like what your um, internal like narratives are like in your head, how you handle circumstance, who do you look to when things don't go exactly how you planned. Um, and so, because we need accountability in this. Um, and I know for me, I have to have people that are like, little, okay, let me speak some reality into like what you're, <laughs> what you're saying right now and tell you that you're believing lies. Um, and so we all need accountability with stuff like this. We need accountability of spirit and truth. Um, spirit being in relationship to the Lord um, also in relationships with people that we love that are going to shoot us straight and tell us when we're believing crap, right? And then we need to have accountability um, with truth. And truth is just reality, and reality um, is what you run into when you're wrong. Um, and so we need to seek truth in our context and in the way that we um, narrate our lives. Um, and Satan kind of took advantage of Eve with this. Um, she didn't have anybody, she didn't have a relationship and she didn't have truth. He isolated her, he got her alone, and then he told her a lie. Then she believed that lie. So that should tell us, like, that we should be so aware and so, like, um, so um, cautious of how we are, with, if, we're, if we're standing ourselves with people, if we're being isolated, because that's when Satan really feeds on um, our flesh. Um, and so I, I put out, wrote down a few, like, uh, examples of... Um, like backdrops and context that the world is trying to shove down our throats that are lies. Um, here's a few. If there is a Christ, he is withholding from me. I know that's one that I've struggled, I struggle with sometimes, thinking that, like, God doesn't know what I need. He, he's withholding things from me. And that's when I'm, like, not studying Scripture and not talking to the Lord, you know, when I have doubts like that. Um, we know that uh, we know what will make us happy, not Christ. That's one that you hear a lot from people that don't love the Lord. Um, Truth is cultural and always changing. That's a lie. Um, Christ is distant and he doesn't mind leaving us forsaken or forgotten. That's a lie. Sexual freedom is ours. Our bodies are our own. And I will be most happy and liberated doing as I please. That's a lie. We were created as accidents or made from some other substance in survival of the fittest rules. That's a lie. What I watch, listen to, view, and what I let my family watch, listen to, and view doesn't affect our souls. Okay, that's a lie. Those are all things that I feel like, for me, when I started listening to them, it's like things that I feel like Satan's trying to kind of just consume us and make us think that, okay, well, maybe maybe some of this is wishy-washy in my heart, in my mind. Um, and these are lies. They're despairing, hopeless contexts where your circumstance will be hopeless if you believe these contexts. 
Um, however, most of us look at our circumstance out of context. And so I want to show this really cool um, video for you guys. I was trying to think of a way to like um, narrate like the story of the Lord and like how good he is and his heart and how he's pursuing us all through creation. And I just could, um, I was flatlining. So um, this is a video. It's called The Story of God. And this is going to like if you watch this and you take this in and you're moved by this, this is like our context. As a Christian, like I see, I see you and I see your circumstance, but behind you can be this context, like of the Lord and his love and his forgiveness and his pursuit of us. So you can go ahead and play it. That is so amazing. Um, it's, to me, like when I, if I watch something like that, um, the way I view everything, like everything in my life completely is softened and changed by that gospel. Um, and like that's what I want to step into every day. I want to step into that context where it's truth and it's goodness and it's love and it's sacrifice and that's the Lord who died for me and who rescued me and who saved me. Um, and so that's like that's y'all's context right there. Like, that's what Christ did for us. So our circumstance, what we have, um, we should see in light of that um, and look for opportunities and um, ways to tell other people about that, right, in our circumstance. Um, and I, I thought of, a, like, a more of a personal way to kind of explain this. Um, and so there's, so I, we have five kids, and um, my oldest, Kilby, she is um, with her husband in Africa, and they've been over there for um, a year and a half, and um, she, you know, wanted to be a missionary ever since she was teeny-eeny, and, um, and so it's rough over there. Um, they're about two hours from Sudan, and in Sudan there's uh, war, there's rape, there's murder, there's torture. Um, a lot of the refugee camps are uh, kind of around where they live. Um, she has seen, been walking home and seen uh, a little girl being raped by a little boy. Um, she has had malaria a few times. Um, she has, um, she has like a womb issue. She has a lot of stuff going on that can't be handled where she is. Um, she's sick a lot. Um, I, I think every other time I talk to her, she's been in the bathroom all day or in the bed all day. Um, it's just common. She said, Mama, everybody here just has parasites and we're just sick a lot. <laughs> um, and so that's her circumstance. That's like what she lives in. Um, but if I asked her if she was suffering, she would, like, with a sweet smile, say, no, ma'am. Um, if I asked her if she wanted, um, to be anywhere else, she would say, no, ma'am. Um, and because her context is that, um, her understanding is that. And I took a, when I was there, I took a, I was there in December for, like, a week, um, and when I was there, she was leading a Bible study with, um, for like little girls from about 10 to 18 years old, and it was so awesome. She would just like twice a week, she gets the tea out, sets the tea out, and they come t t into her home, 
and she sets a big old jar of sugar out because they just put like half sugar in their tea. It's fill it all the way up. Um, and they, she puts Uno cards out and, um, and then they come, they play, and then she just teaches them about the Lord. Um, and then they try to memorize scripture together and, um, and then they sing. And, um, I took a, I took a video, um, of these girls singing because for me, you know, as her mama, I'm like, ah, let's get you home and get you just hang out for a while um but but she that circumstance is so peaceful to her um and it's because she has a context of the lord and his beauty and this is a uh, this girl singing So, like, for her, when I was sitting there and she was sitting on the floor and she had, like, a little three-year-old little African girl asleep in her lap, um, and she was sitting there, and it was just um, such a sweet scene for me to see, like, what's going on there in her heart and how those girls were being taught who the Lord was in a different in a different light. Um, and so... I wanted to share that because that's like a real extreme circumstance with a beautiful context um, and how a lot of people would just like find ways, I would find ways to feel sorry for myself for sure. <laughs> um, and I would feel ways, um, I would find ways to probably question the Lord and stuff and he's just sturdied her up um, to be able to do that in that circumstance. But we have to fight and I know she does, she has to fight for the right view of what's going on and what the Lord is trying to teach her and when we have to fight for that, we have to fight for Jesus to be at the center. I know I do. Um, it's kind of like when, you know, when you're in your car and um, the car beside you moves and you think you're moving and you kind of freak out a little bit. And what, what do you always do? Well, I look, I find something that's like stable and I see that and it's not moving and I'm like, oh, I'm not moving. It's this car, right? And for believers, like, that's how we have to cling and sturdy and find Christ at the center when everything is moving around us and it's so chaotic and, like, this world is just crazy, y'all. Um, and there's so many lies trying to be thrown in, in our minds. Um, we have to daily seek for Christ to be the center and to be the stability um, because if we walk with our hands down at our sides, we will quickly justify our disor disordered desires. Um, and the world will love it. They'll give us an attaboy for that. If we justify our desires and our flesh, the, Lord, the world's going to love that. Um, and we will uh, blindly mistake bondage for freedom. Um, and that's something that Satan really uses um, in women. And um, I'm not going to read that. Um, like with women who are in bondage to um, money or identity or image or... Um, sex or pornography or making pornography, um, pride, alcohol, I don't know which ones I've said, infidelity, um, status, stuff like those. Women who you see that are in bond, sadly in bondage to those things, um, a lot of them before that, they became in bondage, they, they saw those things as freedoms um, because Satan is going to try to lie to us and make us think that we have um, 
you know, we have these freedoms. And then what he does is we give into those things. We're not in the world. We're not having our minds transformed by Christ. We believe those lies. We think we get to have those freedoms. And then what happens is we're not able to remove ourselves from those things. Um, I'm going to read one little passage out of this book. Um, It says that we misunderstand both true freedom and debilitating bondage. Freedom that fills and satisfies your heart is never found in setting yourself up as your own authority. True freedom is not found in doing whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. True freedom is never found in putting yourselves in the middle of your world and making it all about you. True freedom is not found in resisting the call to submit to any authority but your own. True freedom is never found in writing your own moral code. True freedom is not the result of finally getting your own way. When you attempt to do these things, you never enjoy freedom. You only end up in another form of bondage. And freedom and authority are not enemies. But, and then in Romans 6, it says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have became slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. It is sin that makes me want to rule myself, and it is grace that draws me into the only slavery that gives life, slavery to the Creator, the Savior King, who knows what is best and gives what is best always. Um, okay, so I wanted to kind of give an overview of context, like as believers, what we have sitting behind us is our bo- backdrop of what the Lord's done for us and how far th- how that can um, help us to understand our circumstances and respond well to our circumstances. Um, and then I want to g- give a few practical like um, ways we can center our life and make sure Christ is like at the center. And I know at Snowbird we're all real bullheaded and stubborn and we're going to give you guys the same um, kind of uh, answers when you come as far as how to follow the Lord, how to seek Him, how to lay aside and strip idols away from us. Um, and you ask us what four plus four is, we're going to say eight. Yellow plus yellow and blue make green. Whitney Houston is the greatest of all time. And um, and also, if you say how am I supposed to follow Christ, we're going to give you these disciplines. And I, Brooke talked about it a little bit this morning. Um, and so, because uh, so like. I love to talk about um, how to be like a leader in your home. I love to, a lot, a lot of ladies like to hear about hospitality or how to like, um, to like share Christ with people in your school or in your workplace and stuff. But like the disciplines of being with the Lord every morning, that stuff is what's going to um, push you to do those things well. Um, falling in love with the Lord, gazing upon Him every morning. Um, and so... I looked up, I looked in scripture like three, anytime it said this one thing, and I found three one things. There's more, but three that I want to kind of go over. Um, The first one is in Luke uh, 10, 42, and I'll just read it out of my granddad's big old huge Bible. Um, So this is, of course, the story of Mary and Martha. Um, You guys are pretty probably um, knowledgeable about this. it says this, um, now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her home. And she had, had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, um, does not thou care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. 
And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which, she, which shall not be taken away from her. Um, and just a few things I want to hit about this story. Um, first of all, of course, how busy um, that Martha was. And some of you guys are busy bodies like that, and some of you guys will let everybody else do the laundry before you do it. Um, and so with Mary, I mean with Martha, um, she was busy. And Corey Tim Boom said, um, if Satan can't make you sin, he's just going to make you busy. Um, so for a lot of us, um, it, is a, it is like a discipline to just stop, sit at the Lord's feet, and listen to the Lord. Um, Mary had chosen the good portion, which cannot be taken away from her. So Christ says, Mary is choosing the good portion, which can't be taken away from her. And that is the truth of Christ. And I think you, you hear a lot of, like, anxiety today where women are dealing with anxiety. It seems like every third girl I talk to is dealing with anxiety of some sort. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, like, striving and holding on with tight fists to things that um, you can lose, where Christ says, hey, Mary, uh, Mary's um, choosing something that cannot be taken away from her. Um, and a lot of women are holding too tightly to their husband or the way, um, the way that they, like, kind of idolize their husband. And they are anxious because that could be something that could be taken away. They could um, be anxious about their, like, how they're doing on their media stuff. They could be anxious about money, about bills and stuff like that. And... Um, I know Moses, our nine-year-old, he, um, we've, so we had him, we got him when he was one, and the last two years have been rough. Um, he, he just started being really irrational, and um, we just had these crazy, like, um, just fits, I don't even know if you call it a fit, but um, it was just like where a switch was, was flipped, and just irrational, you couldn't, um, get him to calm down. You just kind of had to leave him alone and let him kind of de-escalate out of that. And Brody and I were at our wits end just trying to figure out what's going on. We just couldn't connect anything that was going on with him. And um, so I talked to one of my dear friends who is an occupational therapist, and she was saying, you know, with adopted um, kids, a lot of times they, they – um, they don't have the capacity to connect because I missed that in their early years. And she said, and then there's others who do have the ability to connect, and then they're afraid, they're afraid it's going to get pulled from them. Um, and so she said, you know, just make sure you are, like, filling Moses up, like, three, four, five times a day, even if you have to sit it on your phone, like, put Moses, fill up Moses, and you sit him in front of you, and you, you, you know, rub on his arms, and you tell him that you love him, and you tell him that you're not going to leave him. And just see if that helps. And um, so that was crazy. That I think that was on like um, a Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. So we had a college retreat that night. Brody was over here speaking. And um, Moses did something that was pretty pretty bad. And our foster boy came up and told, he's, he's like, Moses, beep, 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 beep. he told me what he did. And so I went down there to just get Moses like in, in a way and talk to him. And when I got down there, he was already throwing stuff. I mean, he rips stuff off the walls, breaks stuff. It's pretty rough. And um, so I, I did get him into his room, and um, 
I was like, well, I'll just start cleaning up some of the stuff that he's broke or thrown everywhere. Um, so I'm cleaning it up, and he'd thrown all, like, magnets off of my fridge and broke them everywhere. And so I was picking them up, and there was one that was, like, really, um, really special to me. And so, like, in my, you know, angerish stage, I just went in, and I was like, buddy, you broke, you broke my magnet from Iceland. And he was, he was kind of de-escalating, but he was still kind of in the middle, and he said, and he screamed at me, and he, he came up to me, got in my face, he said, don't you come in here and tell me about everything that I've done wrong. You come in here and tell me that you care about me, and you're not going to leave me. And I was like, oh my gosh, he like thinks that um, that's going to be pulled from him. And um, so it was great. We, we were able to talk to him about it, and it was like, in his little mind, he thought that he was going to do something wrong enough that we were going to end up leaving him somewhere. Um, and he, we asked him where he thought we were going to leave him, and he said in th- at the trailer park. And and t- I don't know. And I was like, what, buddy? And he's just, he, you know, so I say that to say like two years. And when I say like a fit, that's what I mean, like just crazy. Um, two years of that where his little heart was just anxious because he thought that, that that love could be pulled from him um and that's I mean I want him to want us to love him like that and that's like a healthy thing but also you can be anxious because um you're you do like I have unhealthy things that you think are going to be pulled away from you um and Christ says hey Mary's like focusing on these things and my words and listen to me and those things can't be taken away and when you're feasting on things from the Lord that are eternal, that are stuck in your heart, that bind you up, that make you like um, yoked up with Christ, those things can't be taken away. And that will like slowly pull away that anxiety, um, a lot of it, and a lot of just anxiousness um, in your life. Um, so this example of just stopping, being still, sitting, and listening to the Lord. Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul waits in silence for Christ alone. So that that means to keep your tongue silent, but also your soul. So for me, like I, um, I can get distracted easy. So um, for me to find the Lord to step into my day, find the context of that beautiful story, to know the character of Christ, and then see my circumstances through the lens of that perfect context, I've got to have every t- every day when I'm sitting before the Lord and helping Him transform the way I think. Um, so that's the first one thing, because Christ says, hey, Mary figured out this one thing, and this is what it is, to sit and be still before me. Um, the next one is in Psalm 27, 4. Um, I don't know if I, yeah. Um, and this one is just David, and um, I'll start probably in the first verse, because it's so beautiful. It says, the Lord is my light and salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked... Um, even mine enemies and my foes come up against me to eat my flesh. They stumble and fail. Um, though a host should encamp around me, my heart shall not fear. The war shall rise against me, and this will I be confident. And then he says in verse 4, One thing that I have desired of the Lord that I will seek first after, that I may dwell in his house all the days of my life, and, to, and behold and gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Um, and so this kind of goes along with sitting at the feet of the Lord, um, to be able to gaze into his his eyes and um, 
really see like the soft love that he has for us because it's easy to think of God um, like I mentioned earlier some distant like person who is okay with forsaking and forgetting us sometimes and that like breaks his heart um, and so I don't know if you've ever like gazed on something beautiful um, like David says in the scripture um, and I'm not talking about like Aquaman or Harry Styles um, or for your older ladies in Magnum P.I. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom was in love with Magnum P.I. But, um, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking gazing. Like, so for me, I remember um, Kilby and Tucker and Laylee, like as newborns, I could just like stare at them for the whole day, right? When they're one, two, three days old. Um, or I love gazing and looking at the beauty of like an old couple in a restaurant praying and like holding each other's hands. I love that. Um, and so like gazing on things that are beautiful, you don't want to take your eyes off those things. Well, to gaze at the Lord, um, if it's just a quick glance, I'm not going to really have a chance to like have any intimacy with the Lord where I'm like, um, where I am like understanding what he wants for me, where I'm seeing the compassion that he has for me and forgiveness for me. Um, and, uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me with all of your heart. Um, and I think this is hard, like, to search for Christ with our whole heart. Now, like, if you were trying to get a new sofa for a new room in your house, you would spend hours researching and searching for the perfect sofa, right? Um, but that's, like, the kind of search we need to have for Christ and, like, his characters and, and his, um, his abilities to um, rescue us and to save us. Um, the, quiet, the quiet time that I'm talking about where we're gazing upon the Lord— um, is not like an emotional break for like introverts to get away. Um, it's not private therapy. Um, it's not like a relax and recharge. Um, it's not a break from the battlefield. It is the field of, on which the battle is won or lost. And I, I want you guys to see this is so important because to me, like you can ask me any question, how do I handle this? How do I handle this? How do I deal with this person? Whatever. And every time, like if you're not going to the Lord and feasting on him and gazing and sitting under his presence, then like anything I say, you're not going to have the strength to do that, right? Like that's where we're going to gain the strength in the, in the will of Christ. Um, so it's the field on which the battle is won or lost. Um, so I wrote some things that came to mind when I thought about like being alone with the Lord. Um, it's the ground to see that reality, truth, and gain, insight, and strength. It's the, where you can find the will to say, I'm not going to do these things. Like, I'm going to will to not do these things. Um, it's when you starve or decide to feast your, your flesh. So this can be an opportunity to, to, to starve your flesh, like not to go throughout your day walking in your flesh and your own thoughts. Um, it's where the devil's lies are brought into light. Uh, you move... Um, it's more than mental hygiene. It's where you scrap and scratch and claw to walk in the light so that you will not fear the shadows. It's, how, it's the time when you can rewire your brain, your thought patterns, your internal narratives, and you can re, um, des redesign neural pathways and responses about Christ and his truth. It's a way to broaden and make deep and wide your context of the Lord and to fortify it. It's where you can replace darkness with light where you can push yourself down and, and raise the Lord up, where you can choose peace over chaos, where you can be become transformed and not live in a way that's um, deformed in the way that you serve Christ. It's when you can be killing sin and not let sin be killing you. It's when you can ask Christ to reveal idols, and then you ask him again for the strength to help you let them go. 
instead of desire, use repeat, you make a violent pull. And this is where, like, I'm always okay. I'm always okay with the Lord when I'm figuring out, like, how much he loves me and um, all these great things. But then when he, like, reveals something in my life that I'm putting between him and I, that's when I'm like, oh, maybe I need to do laundry now. Um, and that's, but for me, like, um, I, yeah, it's for, it's like a violent pull. There's going to be things that Christ, like, puts in your face and you're probably going to push it away. Um, but he's going to be steadfast and patient to keep bringing that up, bringing that sweet conviction up. And, um, and like, for me, a lot, I mean, there's been times I've got to, like, violently pull stuff that's, that's veined into me. And I always have this picture of Laylee. So we had, so Laylee is 16 now. And, but when she was a little girl, we had, like, a skate park at camp. And she was a diva on that thing. She'd be out there just dropping and doing all these little whatever's you call them ollies or something but um she so she kept like really scraped up knees her knees were just always um rough looking and I remember it was like a consistent thing where I'd have to take her in the bathtub and you know like when you first put your scrapes in the water how bad it hurts when you're a little kid and I remember like holding her hand and helping her get in there and just knowing like after a minute or two it's gonna hurt but then it's gonna feel better right and I know like with Christ and the way he reveals things to us um it's a it's a violent pull it hurts a lot of times but there's cleansing behind that if we just give those things to the Lord um and he's patient with us which is the best thing of all um because for me um I, I seek myself a lot and so I'm so thankful for the patience patience of the Lord in that and his sweet conviction and his gracious cleaning cleansing of me um the other one thing the last one is in mark 10 21 um it's the rich young ruler and i'm not going to say a lot on this um but Christ, he, he said the rich young ruler says you know i'm doing like really good i'm, I'm doing the ten commandments i'm keeping my nose clean i'm doing really well and christ says and it says because he loved him he said he he says hey there's this one thing you need to get rid of get rid of all this external stuff like all this stuff and you need to take up your cross and you need to follow me um and i know that like you guys have heard that so many times but i think christ gets weary of us wanting other things um i think he gets weary of our wandering eyes i think he gets tired of competing for our affection um but it's crazy how honorable he is to keep finding us and singing over us and beckoning us to be close to him and for us to yeah if we're tired to give him you know give him our stuff our junk and let him bear us up in that um and he just wants us to surrender like with this rich young ruler he said just one thing i just want you to do this one thing i don't care about all this great things you're doing in your church and and i just want you to come to me and see me ex- exceeding all those things that you're idolizing or whatever he was needing to drop and remove from his life um and just fast and strip down and remove those things um and um there's a guy named ignatius and just in closing with this um his definition of sin was this it was um it's the unwillingness to trust that what god wants for me is only my deepest happiness i'll say it one more time unwillingness to trust that what god wants for me is only my deepest happiness um and the world like if you i don't know in your workplace or just with your friend groups or whatever i don't know if you get to see 
um, some of us are in Christian bubbles. You know, we have to step outside. So I don't know what your life looks like. But if you look at the world and people that don't have the Lord, it's despairing. And they're searching deep and wide for a happiness that is not, that doesn't end. Um, and um, let me get this out. I was going to read one more thing. Until we come to a place of deep trust that what God wants for us is only our deepest happiness and that what we actually want, the desire beneath all the other desires, is God himself, we will fight to control our lives. We will continue to think that we know better than God that will lead to our happiness and we will chase the wind and reap the whirlwind. And it's crazy if you look at the world um, and they're searching for this happiness, and they, they're walking around with emptiness, and they're, but they're looking for peace. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for all these things that only the Lord can provide. Um, and But when you look out there, it kind of looks more like Hunger Games or something um, with what's going on. And um, it's like they're violently resisting the one person that can give them these things. Um, it's kind of like they're wanting the kingdom without the king, without the submission to to somebody but and to serve somebody else besides herself they're like no I just want to serve my own self and um so they're failing they're hurting at this and what's so like awesome with you guys and I just talked to a lot of people who just don't know how to handle so much stuff that's going on right now but I want to encourage you guys with the fact that um I'm I'm very hopeful about what we have, our context that we have, like what we have inside us to offer the people that are, that are failing and hurting and don't have happiness. Um, and um, we are like a beautiful remnant. Um, and the church has always thrived in darkness. Like the times when the church has thrived the most is when there was darkness and chaos around them. Um, and we can be like a banner to, and I don't know who the Lord's like placed around you who, uh, is confused and doesn't understand the Lord or maybe love the Lord once um, and then decided that they wanted to walk away um, but really just be seeking and like whenever you have conversations with whoever you have and whoever the Lord brings your way really seeing that is an opportunity to be a banner for like what we have as Christians and what we have to offer to the to them um, and be a truth to them that's blanketed and like a lure of gentleness and that's one thing that I I really feel like is so needed in Christian um, life when you're talking to people who really don't understand the Lord or have questions or anger with the Lord just to be so gentle in the way that you handle those conversations be gentle because it's a fragile thing nowadays um, people can be turned away super quick um, with your words talking about the Lord so really pray and, and be gentle with how you handle it. Um, be the hands and feet and the soft eyes of Christ, um, who's always willing to forgive. Um, and Christ, w one last thing, Christ didn't die to, so that we didn't have to. Um, he, and I put, he um, died to show us how to die, to follow him through death into life, so that we can display his love and faithfulness, and we can stand on this faithfulness that was in Gethsemane. And whenever I think of Gethsemane, it just wells up so much emotion in me because um, of what he, his faithfulness to me. And just the fact that he, he said, Father, take this cup from me. Like it was, it was a um, very like anxious moment for Christ. And I know that, that he had us and our sanctification and our redemption 
um, in his mind when he when he was there and um, but to feel the true love and the steadfastness of Christ and the faithfulness and we can be a beautiful remnant um, we can be um, a people who loves well and forgives well who um, sees people hurting but knows that Lord the Lord can heal and that can be a process like um, seeing somebody that really needs the Lord um, is a process and usually if you really want to walk through it with them it's going to be a long process right um, because it's usually like they're so confused and you're going to have to talk about salvation and you're going to have to um, pull them away from things that they're used to doing it's going to be a process but just seeing that opportunity um, and just knowing that we can we can thrive in darkness and have so much hope um, for you guys having the context of the Lord um, and having um, the context of the gospel to kind of see your circumstances in the right way and know that like whatever circumstance you guys are in that is for the glory of Christ and our contentment does depend on how we respond to our circumstances but it also it also depends on how we see the Lord and how we're reminding ourselves of Christ's goodness and the story and all the things that he's done for us um, and this can be like our, f our finest hour as believers in this time today um, and and ministering to people who are just hurting and, f and failing at trying to find forgiveness and happiness. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.